This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore. And the new cast and old cast it is, Ken. We're talking about one specific cast member this week. And in a greater picture, how fans interact with cast members on the Internet, in real life, how that transcends fandom of a TV show, and kind of that crossover between you as a person as a fan and a celebrity you follow as a person, and how those collide, intersect, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. So we're going to delve into that topic this week on Standard Orbit. I think it's a good one. William Shatner is um, very prominent on in the Twitterverse. He's prominent across social media. He knows how to market himself. But my goodness, don't cross that man. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Um, I think it, I think he's got a proclivity, which I think is is actually, on one sense, pretty cool uh, if he's on the right side of the equation. And then sometimes it doesn't come off so well where he may not be so right. But it is interesting that these times that Zach Moore or Ken Tripp or anyone can write a tweet, copy any one of these celebrities, say whatever they want. And and I know, you know, most people say 99% of it's positive stuff, right? Um, and they get a response and they're all giddy and happy because, you know, one of their, their favorite people or actors are responding to them. But when you go the other way, uh, in a world where, you know, you think about it with National Enquirer and all these magazines out there, you know, just going to town with different celebrities, well, now they have a way to fight back. And, um, yeah, we've witnessed over the last couple of years... I think some incredible Shatner battles uh, with with fans. Uh, I don't know, Zach. I mean, this is. Uh, should we get our helmets on for this podcast? Yes, I'm. I'm going to put on my Spock helmet uh, to protect me <laughs> for this podcast because you know, first of all, let, let's just say it. You know, you and I are both fans of William Shatner. Of course, I know that seems to be a hot take these days. I mean, he's an actor. He's in the entertainment industry. Okay. Shatner is not perfect as a person, okay? I, no. I see the difference between Kirk and Shatner, all right? But at the end of the day, it seems fashionable 
to hate on William Shatner and it has been for years. It seems, you know, to, to various degrees of, of comedy and whatnot. Like, I think the strength of Shatner is that he, uh, has reinvented himself as more like a, he's a spokesperson now for a thing, you know, priceline.com. He has a, uh, comedic side to him. He has that, uh, self-depreciating humor now, which he didn't have back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he is a very, introspective and pondering person. I mean, you see his one man show, the books that he does is that TV show raw nerve. He's had, uh, you know, he, he likes to, to kind of analyze himself, his place in the world, his past. Uh, I, I really think, you know, and a lot of it is from marketing. I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to sit down with Walter Koenig, the checkoff from star Trek. And we're going to hash things out. Cause we have beef. People know that. But at the same time, there is the uh, there is the factor where I, I I do think he does want to you know make amends with these people who have issues with them like when he was writing the Star Trek Memories books you know he, he was shocked to learn that Michelle Nichols was the first one that told him that you know a lot of people didn't like him when they were making Star Trek and right. that has followed him through the years and that's always been kind of like in the background of like the person who William Shatner is I, I think it's important just to establish that we like his work we think he's an incredibly entertaining. Uh, performer and actor but at the same time you know uh it doesn't doesn't mean that we're like oh he's just perfect he can do it all wrong i think he you know he has some blame to go around in here and i think oftentimes he does admit it even yeah i mean the man is 88 it's crazy to think he's like so active on social media oh i know it it's incredible it's incredible yeah. but he has gotten into some big um just drama i guess online and with fans and whatnot and those are things we're going to talk about uh and, and often you know I, and, and just to be, you know, to get that out off the way, that's why I'm saying kind of where we stand on Shatner. I often find myself on his side of this debate more off, more often than not. Uh, I find it very reasonable, the things that he's responding to, or I understand where he's coming from or others perhaps do not and perhaps jump to the negative immediately. And that's also something else we're going to talk about here. Just the, the, the knee jerk reaction that social media has brought us in fandom and just, I guess, as a society, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's I think I think you said that very well. I think you laid it out very well that um you know that that that's one of the toughest things I have adopting to the new world order is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have no other way to put it is I work very very hard to assume good intent. That people's intent is usually positive and they're trying to do the right thing. Yet when you're on social media, I do think that there's a lot of times where the intent is just for attention. And it, it can backfire on you, and you need to be careful. But that's why you know, you'll notice, I and, and you're the, pretty much the same way, Zach. We, we don't get involved in the political aspects of anything on social media, because no. there's no way to win. It doesn't matter what side it, you're on. It truly is the no-win you know? scenario, kid. <laughs> it's the Kobayashi it, it of truly social media. Is. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I mean, people on their Facebook accounts or whatever, they can post whatever they want. It's their account. I completely get it. And I, I, I read a lot of them, but <laughs> nine times out of ten, I just go, well, whether I agree or disagree, it does not matter what I write. Nobody's going to be influenced by my writing. <laughs> so why get involved in it? You know, so I, I keep it at a very high level. And when you see these folks, whether fans or whatnot, want to engage a celebrity like William Shatner, it's like, you better be ready for a real fight because uh, he doesn't pull any punches. And I think that's part of... Um, that's part of the aging process, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, who gives a crap what I have to say? I'm just going to say how I feel, and he'll come after you, which I think is pretty interesting. Hmm. Well, and 
where, where do you stand on kind of where he is now doing this stuff? Because I think obviously the man is 88. He's in the twi- his twilight years, uh, although he's right. so full of energy. And every time you see him, you could tell me he was kind of a more haggard 68. I'd be like, oh, OK. I mean, he, you know, if you don't, oh, he, he looks good. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he has the energy of someone 20, 25 years younger. He really does. And uh, it, so so he's still out there on the trail, on the conventions, doing TV shows. You know, he did that show with um, uh, the Fonz and yeah, George better Foreman. Late than never. Better late, yeah. yeah, where they, they travel around the world, stuff like that. Great show, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. Uh, and this was a few years ago. Now we did the, the, the chat. My dad says, at least that's what I refer to the show as <laughs> uh, where, where it was a, it only lasted a season. But it was, you know, based off a, a Twitter uh, speaking of right. Speaking of social media, they built this TV show off something that the creator of the show uh, his dad used to tweet crazy stuff and like, oh, let's build a show around this. And who better to get to play that person than William Shatner, right? So he was in right. that a few years ago. Like a, that was on CBS, I believe. So, you know, a, a network television show he was the star of just a few years ago and is in his 80s. Uh, he's he's right. He writes books constantly. And, you know, there's always like, a OK, did he really write this? And you no, know, I think for like the Star Trek novels and stuff, it's like, OK, the, the Reeve Stevens wrote those and he maybe like gave them an outline. I think that's pretty much the understanding there. But when he writes these books about like his, like his life or his philosophies on things, like I think he does, I think a lot of that is him. And obviously, he has like a, a professional author kind of help him craft it and edit it and and articulate it. But I think a lot of that is him. Same thing with the one man shows and things like that and these appearances he makes and 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 he has these ridiculous like spoken word albums, which I think we all know are just they're just they're fun, <laughs> you know, to like he That's came right, out with yeah. the Christmas album and things like that. So he's at a, he's at a very interesting place in his career. And you got to ask yourself, does he does he need to do this social media stuff? No, but I think it's part of his like, I've just got to keep. And he said this, like, I just got to keep moving. You know, if, I, if I'm busy, if I'm active, that's going to keep me active and youthful. And 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 there must be some truth to it, because that's the only explanation I can think of. when this man who's almost 90 is going well, doing out there doing the things he does. And well, he lives by the, the George Burns philosophy is that if you're booked, you don't die. <laughs> right. And Burns lived to what, 102 or something. <laughs> something like that. So, I, yeah, something like that. So I, <laughs> I understand it. And the one thing that's interesting about Shatner is he's really afraid of death. Yes. He's petrified of it. You know, we've seen that in his interviews and so forth when he did the, the captains, um, all of that. You know, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about him is he can be brutally honest. And um, and that's that's an interesting aspect of him because you, you you were right I think you know back in the day he was the leading man he was cool he could he could you know uh, Star Trek six you know I can't believe I kissed you lifelong ambition I mean that was playing off Shatner I think at the at the at the perfect time in his career mm-hmm. and uh, so I I hear exactly what you're saying he is a an incredible uh, amount of energy he does more at eighty eight than I think most of the population does. I mean, he's incredible. He's always on the move, you know, and to, to, to just keep going like that, it's it's amazing. There's also, I think, a little bit, I, I always kind of, you know, I see as each cast member has passed so far, you know, a uh, an opportunity missed. And I often wonder, and I don't know how much of it is in my head or not, if um, if there are regrets that they couldn't reconcile, as I do believe there were honest times where he tried, but in order to keep things going and stay in the media, I think some of the cast members just like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna perpetuate this BS, you know, it just never ends. <laughs> yeah, well, George Decay, right? I mean, he that's so much uh, of his, yeah. his whole his whole deal is like, I hate William Shatner. 
Like, okay, okay, George. Like, George, there's more to you than that. You know, just let just move on from that. But uh but you no, know, that yeah, I mean, as I understand it, uh what I've heard, like him and James Doohan kind of at least kind of sort of buried the hatchet near the end, uh, based yep. off what his uh James Doohan's son's Chris has said. Of course, the ultimate uh the ultimate tragedy, right, of all this is him and Leonard Nimoy, who who were best friends for decades. You know, I mean that doesn't yeah. this doesn't negate that. But when Nimoy died, they were not speaking. They were not friends and anymore. And Shatner claims to not know why. Uh, the story, as we know, goes that uh, uh, Shatner used some footage of Nimoy for one of his documentaries after Nimoy asked him not to, and Shatner didn't think he was being serious or something like that. But yeah. if that's going to be what pushes you over the edge, I think that that you know it's 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 always something like that, right? It's this this little thing, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Who knows what kind of what had been piling up between those guys over the years, who really knows? I, I mean, we, we will never will. Um, and, and I'm definitely sure that, because you know, we've all had friendships that have ebbs and flows and things like that. But, uh, you know, Nimoy, Nimoy was not a perfect guy either. So these, these are two men with incredible egos, both of them. <laughs> I, everyone is like, oh, Shatner, blah, blah, blah. And probably, who knows? Like, like I said, we're never going to know. But that they're, they were pretty tick for tack there with things. And, and we, we don't know where they left things. And it is really sad that you know the, these guys who were best friends on screen and best friends in real life uh, at the end of Nemo's life were not there for each other anymore for for whatever reason. Uh, it, it it is a shame and and I you know <laughs> it's funny it's to to criticize Nimoy is dangerous. Yeah. I think uh, for a lot of people because he's held in such high regard and and truthfully you know I I I always enjoyed hearing him speak um I think that he was a lot easier. He had an ego. It wasn't to Shatner level ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he did, I think, honestly care about the cast a little bit. And he thought outside of the box in those respects. But yet, you know, he sued people left, right, and sideways. He was a litigious guy. Yeah. And he did not get along with Roddenberry or any of those folks. And he never had a lot of great things to say about them, you know, in the 70s and 80s. I think as, as time's gone on and after Roddenberry passed, all that changed, as people normally do. You know, they, they, they start hopping, start to move on from the things that um, separated them to the things that they had in common. But yeah, I, I, you, you mess with, with Leonard Nimoy, he was like the silent type. You wouldn't hear from him, but you'd hear from his lawyer. <laughs> you know. So all that to say, you know, Shatner, he is really the only cast member of the original Star Trek who's out there in social media really engaging with things. You know, George Decay is like a like a meme guy. You know, he's like, hey, George Decay posts a funny meme of the day. That's kind of his thing. But he's not out there like interacting with people to the degree or tweeting at the level that Shatner's like Shatner. I find this very interesting about Shatner's uh, Twitter activity. Like he live tweets many CW shows, Arrow and shows like that, which I just find really interesting. And he was asked about this, like, like, why do you do this? Because you're some 80-something-year-old man watching these shows that are aimed at, you know, teens to 20-somethings about, like, superheroes and science fiction. And he, and he's, this is what he said. He said, quote, The CW Network seems to be the last bastion of science fiction shows on broadcast television. So I'm obviously very interested in ensuring the genre on TV stays alive. So I find that just a fascinating just wrinkle into Shatner's social media activity that he's, he's out there, you know, just watching... Arrow or something and, and commenting about it or watching, you know, who knows what else is on the CW, but uh, it, it's really him, as I understand it. Like, there's something like, is that really William Shatner on his account? And, like, I, I 
seems to me I, I haven't been able to find any evidence to the contrary that it's not really him. My guess is is that he's got uh, an entourage of some kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember, I think it was for the documentary on, uh, it was either Star Trek V or it was just something on him in particular where it just kind of touched the fact that, you know, actor, author, you know, he's made albums. I wouldn't call him a singer, but they do, you know, all the different things that he's touched. And um, he handwrites his books on legal paper. And, you know, obviously somebody pokes it all up and <laughs> types it up nice and all that stuff. So what I'm guessing is, you know, an 88-year-old man um, typing constantly, especially on an iPhone and all that stuff, I, I'm guessing that isn't the easiest thing. But I have nothing to suggest that it isn't his thoughts. Yeah. And they're not, you know, that the, you know, and I know some executives years ago, you know, when computers were coming into fashion, they just couldn't stand them. And they would have, you know, their admins or whatever literally print it out and they'd respond and the admin would type it back. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of wondering if there's if there's some kind of process there because he's a pretty pretty busy guy. And you'll you'll notice, you know, even at conventions and stuff, there'll be a Shatner um tweet here and there <laughs> and you're like, Well, when did he do that? You know. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, but as and and this is kind of where we'll kind of drift into our Kind of the meat of our conversation here, I think, but like as someone who is so concerned with uh, the way he is represented, the way he is spoken about, the way his image is used, things of that nature, um, those things coming out in his name are not coming out unless they're approved by Shatner. You know, I don't think Absolutely. he's just going to hand an intern an iPhone and say, hey, you know me pretty well. <laughs> say what I would say. Uh, I think he, as you said, can. <laughs> you know, dictates or at least or has, you know, a couple of people around him and share some thoughts about whatever he's experiencing and then they go on their way. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, cause there are some celebrities out there. You're like, this is the official account of so-and-so and you know, pretty darn sure that's not really that person. But the thing about Shatner is like, yeah, it really like who else would say, <laughs> who else would get into the weeds with these people the way he does? Uh, because he, he really does care about his image and, and he gets really fired up. When he feels like he's being mis misrepresented or uh, is being attacked, and a lot of that has been going on in recent years, and that has led to the the uh, Twitter and social media and fandom fires that he has entered into the last few years. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, should we start off with the autograph controversy? Yes, that is probably the most recent of the things we're talking about. This was more or less a year ago, and uh. Shatner, like, he went on a, you know, people call it a rant, right? But I would just call it like a drawing line in the sand about people uh, of when he's approached for autographs in public. And he made it very clear uh, that he does not like to be, he's not like to be approached in public. And people, because people were saying he was rude to them or dismissive of them. And he's trying to make it clear that, like, look, you know, uh, I think one of his, we'll just quote it here because I, I don't want to misquote him. You know, <laughs> I don't want to okay, get a so Twitter fire ahead, with yeah. the flame Shatner. So one fan said this to him, Bill, let me say this. We love and adore you. An autograph is a simple thank you that costs nothing, but means the world to a true fan. Please consider when a fan asks you for a simple signature, that is the highest compliment you can get. Hashtag fans matter. And Shatner responded with this. He says, it's hardly quote simple. If I'm out and about with my family or waiting for a plane, I do it for one, an instant line of 50 forms. So if I say no to one or number 21, it's the same. I'm a jerk. So s to save time, 
The answer is no. There's a time and a place for everything, and conventions are that place. And I mean, it's 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 hard to hard to argue with that. You know, I mean, he is an entertainer when he's in the entertainment realm. You know, do that. Uh, but when he's in his private time, like, he doesn't owe us anything. You know, it's great to hear like, oh, you know, Keanu Reeves bought me an ice cream cone or something like that. Like, you know, there are, <laughs> there are all these great stories about guys like that. But at the end of the day, you know, like this guy's out living his life and he's absolutely right. You know, if somebody, oh my God, William Shatter's over there. Like he's going to be swarm with people. And, you know, another, uh, another couple of tweets he said just to kind of contextualize his stance on it. As he said, quote, I'm supposed to care about people who sneak up behind me to have someone grab a photo, who interrupt my private times to join my grandchildren, who bother me in the restroom, who even interrupt me calling my wife in the airport in order to request a photo or autograph. Uh, and then finally, kind of to, to say, look, here's the venue for this. He says, quote, I get over 100,000 requests each year for autographs. I give priority to 501c3 and registered charities, and I still leave many charity requests unanswered. So the chances are slim when people are asking, oh, why don't you just do charity, blah, blah, blah. You know, he has a lot of charities. You know, yeah. uh, and you know, I think that's another positive thing about the guy. Like he funnels all this stuff. He he auctioned off his kidney stone for his charity when he passed a kidney stone, for example. So so that's kind of <laughs> that's crazy, what we're talking yeah. about here with this social media stuff. People were like, "Man, William Shatner wouldn't take a selfie with me or something." And I think I think that's kind of an outrageous request. Like I, I'm not I'm the kind of person who I would not do that to begin with. So maybe I mean I'm in a very different mindset than some of these people. We were like, oh, there's William Shatner over there having dinner with his wife. I'm going to go talk to him. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I, I can, I understand where that you get that feeling because, of course, I would feel the same way. But I would respect the guy's privacy in public because he makes himself available for a price as an entertainer at events like conventions for that interaction to take place. And then that's it. So that, that's kind of where I stand on. And I am on Team Shatner, at least in this debate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, it's it's tough. And and I, I do understand that when people pursue this life, there's a piece of it that that's part of the game is, you know, you're going to sacrifice a lot of privacy. You're going to sacrifice, uh, you know, a, a lot in terms of being in the eyes of the public. And, you know, it's it's what you get. You know, people are looking for fame and fortune and if you think about the former fame it's a big deal and you know you all you know and i think in a lot of people's minds they all want to be looked at as someone who um would sign an autograph you know and you know to tell you it's kind of a weird thing um i i, I was in china doing our mission ceremonies or whatnot and that was a big deal to a lot of our our, our folks over there was to get their books and things signed when I was done, right? And that was the first time in my life um, I actually signed anything for anyone. It's quite a humbling experience. It's kind of cool on the other side. But then it's like, okay, we went through quite a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, man, how do celebrities do it? You know, how, to, how, and, and trust me one thing, I don't feel sorry for any of them and I don't envy any of them, <laughs> but I do understand and respect the policy. And one thing is for sure about Shatner is he is consistent. So I, I saw that that show Better Late Than Never, and he's out there with George Foreman and Henry Winkler, and um, you know they're in Germany or whatever, and everybody knows who they are. Right. And the other two, they're giving out autographs like crazy, you know, in the square and all that stuff. And Shatner was like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, "Come on, Bill." And he's like, "No." He said, "I." I 
I don't do it. And, and he didn't get into the, the level of detail that we're getting in here. And he was kind of poo-pooed a little bit by the other cast members as being, you know, sluggy or, or whatever, not, not wanting to play. But I think, you know, he's consistent. I have a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very well-known saying, once you do for one, you have to do for all. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you do have to be careful of it. And I think at his age, he's earned that right to privacy. And I think there's a lot of behaviors out there now that don't impress me. People are more rude. They're very entitled to things. Um, it's, it's a little scary. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he is interrupted as much as he says he is. And that probably not, I, th- I think probably more Star Trek fans would understand it than just regular fans. Like my wife is, mm. a, she, she can spell Star Trek and that's the level of Star <laughs> Trek knowledge that she has. Okay. But she really likes William Shatner. She loved Boston Legal and, you know, thinks he's a riot and loved, um, you know, better late than never. And just thinks that, you know, he's the bee's knees. And when when going to Las Vegas in a few weeks, she wanted to go. She's got her own convention she's going to in Rhode Island. So she's not going to be able to make it. But she kept, she asked me right off the bat, is Shatner there? I said, yeah. She's like, oh, another opportunity that I'm, you know, I'm losing out on. So... I, I, in, so people think that it's just the Star Trek crowd. It isn't. It's a much bigger audience than he has than that. And it all comes back to like people are just predisposed, like he, to, to not like Shatner. It's like so trendy to hate on Shatner. And we, you know, we joke about like, oh yeah, Star Trek Five, Ego Trip, that kind of stuff, right? We have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff. But like when it comes down to it, I have no ill will towards William Shatner, and I don't like w- read every interview he does or every convention appearance and find oh good another. Another excuse for me to attack him for behavior that I don't like or rub me the wrong way or something, you know, of that kind. And I, and I think as we continue to talk, that, that's the kind of things we we start to see. He's been in the public eye for 60 years. That's an incredible yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think I think I think the man deserves a little bit of space. And just just to quickly talk about Star Trek five for a nanosecond here. One common um, theme that came out after that movie was over. Every single cast member said he did a great job. Every single one. They were all scared to death about him going to be directing mm-hmm. or whatnot. And they say he, you know, the energy that he had, he was very um, positive reinforcing and all of that stuff. And, you know, so I, I kind of find it funny that, you know, um, you know, Star Trek Five. it was a big ego trip in many ways. There's no doubt about it. But when it came to working as a professional and directing his fellow cast members, um, he did as good a job as Leonard Nimoy. From the cast point of view, their own words. Mm-hmm. It's in the book. It's true. You know, they're, they're quoted. So, you know, yeah, he, 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 he can definitely, you know, and he has done and, and enacted in kind of um, a dismissive way at, at, at times in his career. But, I, you know, I, I honestly think that he tried to pull it back quite a bit. And, um, and some gave him quarter and some didn't. So there it is. So where should we where should we go next, Ken? With <laughs> well, we can talk about the Mary Sue article. I think that's uh, that's an important one that had a direct impact on this network, mm-hmm. and and that one to me is a little bit different. Uh, it's not a Twitter war, right? Um, it it kind of became one in a sense, uh, but it was definitely kind of, you know a response to a fan. Um, open critique of how he behaved uh, at a convention, and um, he went on the warpath. So for for those of you that, that may or may not know the story, 
because it did impact this network. Um, there was, I think it was during the 50th anniversary, I think it was in Canada. Is yes. that right? In yes. Montreal, I think. And um, it was him and Brent Spiner and uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew on stage. And, you know, if you've seen Shatner on stage, he always tries very hard to be funny. Sometimes it works. And in this case, I don't think it worked very well. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he <laughs> the whole theme of, you know, a woman's places on the bridge and talking about Captain Janeway was twisted to a woman's places in the fridge. And I, Bill thought it was funny. Um, he kept interjecting that joke, uh, uh, stepping on other people when they were when they were speaking, apparently, according to um, Jarrah Hodge, who wrote the article. And um, and you could tell, you know, from her point of view, and I think from a great many in the audience, it was really frustrating. Um, you know, I wasn't there, um, but and and I know Jarrah, and and I would say that you know what what she wrote was truly heartfelt, but the response to it was, my goodness, this, this Bill went on the warpath. Mm. Um, I think because we have no way to prove one way or the other, but. I'm pretty certain he thought he was being funny, but he's a pretty progressive guy and is is known, you know, kind of be uh, a progressive guy. And he took great offense at being called a sexist um, and being a chauvinist. And, you know, the, the behaviors demonstrated when he was on stage, according to that article, you know, were considered very rude and you know you you're, you're wanting to hear somebody speak and somebody stepping on you and trying to be funny i think we all know how frustrating that can be and um and and i think he took th- you know something that he thought was funny and he just took it to a level and just like a lot of people including myself sometimes you just don't know when to stop mm-hmm. and um it went over the top and so you know the accusation was you know he was sexist um you know uh, being very derogatory towards Kate Mulgrew, um, being very interrupting and not showing the class and, and whatnot, you know, especially because it was kind of some heavy moments in there talking about Yeltsin, talking about Leonard's death, all of that stuff. And and so I guess the appropriateness of where the humor should have been in the first place was even in question. But his response to that article was to come after this network and its owner and essentially you know, threaten some unbelievable lawsuits because we, we carried Woman at Warp on this network. It wasn't on for a long time, this network, and they were um, fairly new at it. I want to say maybe a year or two in production. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it put the um, the head of this network in a very precarious position, and he had to um, separate the network from Woman at Warp for fear of, of being sued. And to me, I think that Shatner, in this case, took it too far. Uh, th- in this case, I, I I can't say I agree with him. Now it's an, it's another issue of whether or not I, I agree with what what the owner of this network did. I think he was in a pretty precarious position and was put at an incredible risk if he if he didn't make that move. And um, and I know a lot of people in the network left in solidarity with women at Warp, but. When you're on the other end of a of a very very um, wealthy powerful person who's coming after you financially, that's you know it's it's not easy to put yourself in that person's shoes. So I don't want to go down that road too far. But what I will say is, 
Um, I think I understood Jarrah's point of view, and I think I understood William Shatner's point of view, but never the two really met. Um, both held their ground too, uh, to to the bitter end. Yeah, with Shatner, you know, him and Mulgrew have a chemistry. They have a camaraderie over the, you know, he did the Captain's documentary. Obviously, they go to these conventions together. You know, you say things with friends you're com- more comfortable with that kind of understand your sense of humor more than than things you would say in public. You know, I I've been, I, sure. I I am more this kind of person too. I'll like, joke around and stuff, and people know me like, hey man, you got you got to know your audience. You know, for and, and I you know I do not anything like crazy and appropriate, just kind of you know jokes that in jokes things that kind of reference other things that sorts of things. So I think in this situation. Shatner really needed to realize, hey, you're on stage here with a lot of people. You're not it's sitting in the green room with Kate Mulgrew joking around something you think is funny. Like, there was no true, like, ill intent in his heart about these sorts of things. But to be fair, not the best things to be saying on a public stage. Uh, and then, of course, we got the drama we did. Did he need to come after Jera and therefore win him a warp and therefore Trek FM is hard? No, that was a little much. Uh but when you're that kind of celebrity, you know, I guess in his mind, I'm like, I'm just trying to understanding, you know, his thinking here. Like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta nip this stuff in the bud or lock this stuff down because that negative stuff will spread and his bread and butter is at conventions and fandoms and that sorts of things. I mean, that's the only real kind of like, like business motivation of like caring what someone's personal opinion of this situation was, you, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, Ken? Well, the, the the concern I think from Shatner is being labeled as a sexist. Um, you know, he's 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 with um, a very progressive audience with with Star Trek. Um, I think he does care how he is perceived in the media. I don't think he was very reflective. Um, and maybe you know, context is king. And and you know what I said at the beginning. You know, assume good intent. Um, I, I don't know if I would have assumed that it was just bad dad humor mm. <laughs> that was going on. And he thought it was, you know, the, the little play on words was funny and he just, he didn't know when to stop, you know. And, and I guess, you know, we, we really don't know his heart, but just understanding, you know, what what tiny, tiny percentage we've been able to to open about his life and biographies and his own readings and his own reflections um, you know, all of that stuff would lead me to believe that, you know, is he truly a sexist? I don't, I don't think so. Um, was his behavior sexist? It was, I think. Um, but I think, it, you know, it sounded like it was more disruptive and, you know, being disruptive with sexist comments. Does, does that make him that? No, but, you know, I, I do get, I get, I get where she's coming from a hundred percent. I'm trying not to get too defensive, Adam, because when you go to an event and, you know, I've seen it with um, many people up on the stage and somebody just kind of hogs the mic and, you know, I'm just like, ah, can we get on to this person because I really want to hear from them. The person didn't do anything wrong, didn't say anything wrong. I'm just like tired of hearing from him or her. <laughs> Let's move on. So I think there there was a lot of exasperation. The way I read that article, by the way, it just it comes off that way. And I think she was very sincere in what she had to say. And I think it could have been instead of coming back with, with fighting gloves on, which I, I understand he's trying to save his reputation, but 
the approach he took, I think, was the wrong one, where it could have been a real teachable moment yeah. for him to be a little bit reflective. And if he came out and said, you know, my intent was to be funny, and I used a poor choice of words and, and whatnot, instead he just hunkered down and, um, and, and you know, threatened the network, threatened Chris. I mean, imagine getting that call in Japan. Yeah. From William Shatner himself, right? You know, just oh my God, well, and that's that's why I say what I say. And I I think what what made it worse is, in, you know, I don't know if we actually have mentioned it verbatim, but they're at this, they're on this panel. Mulgrew's up there with Shatner and Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. Someone in the audience says like, "A woman's place is on the bridge," and she kind of made a joke herself. She says, "Or in the kitchen," as the case may be, uh, looking at Shatner, uh, kind of making a joke. And then he jumps in with a woman's place is in the fridge, and I think right. he th- he sees that as an opportunity. And he said he kept bringing it up multiple times. It's like, hey man, the joke's not working. You need to let it go. But the fact that he right. kept hammering home, and also there is a there is a fictional trope called fridging, right? Where where you you kill off a girlfriend or a love interest of a main character, uh, uh, coming from actually the Green Lantern comic books where this came from in the comics. Uh, one of the Green Lanterns. Uh, came home and discovered that his his girlfriend had been killed and stuffed in a fridge. And that's where fridging came from, where a female character is killed in the service of advancing a male character's story, and that's her only function. So that that has become kind of a um, uh, frowned-upon trope in fiction in recent years. And oh, yeah. that's something that Shatner is probably unaware of. So he unintentionally connects, like, in the fridge, woman, you know, death, like... There's a lot of connotation to that that I'm pretty sure that he's not aware of. But he, when he kept hammering that home, that just made it, you know, a lot worse because people don't know where he's coming from. And there's so many ways you can take that wrong. The whole, you know, woman in the kitchen thing is a joke from like the 50s, right? Uh, and so you add that with the new context of that, and you can see how it kind of escalated. But I, I agree with you. Like the, all this conflict here was an opportunity for you know some dialogue. Uh, now, if like from Shatter's point of view, he's not going to like come on their podcast because that just gives them, you know, publicity, you know, in his mind, he's like, well, that's, that's like the opposite of what I want, you know? Uh, so he's not going to come on that to talk about it, but even just, you know, behind closed doors, not even a phone call, perhaps an email correspondent, something to kind of like bury this hatchet and not let it escalate the way it did because world travels fast on the internet, especially this kind of word. And, you know, it had the, it was the great atom bomb that it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, it was, and it, it was a shame because a lot of people got hurt by it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Jarrah wrote something from the heart. I didn't find anything wrong with what she wrote or how she felt. Um, it's all legitimate. It's valid. And I think Shatner at the same time felt like, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to have a good time and make you people laugh, and this is what I get for my trouble type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, he he couldn't he couldn't make the connection. So whatever, but it's it it was it was kind of a crazy time as you and I were just starting up together on the network. It was literally when we were taking the show over when all that craziness was going on. Yeah, and um, it was uh, it was a wild time. Um, but I I did feel you know I I, I mean I I understood in principle why people beyond women at work left the network. Um, and like I said, but it's 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 a very 
easy thing to do when you're, you know, when that red dot isn't on your forehead. Yeah, no skin, <laughs> no skin in the game, so to speak. There's no skin in the game type of thing, and uh, so I, I, I do understand backing your friends and and sticking with them, and you know, showing, you know, Shatner and and I guess a sense Chris, you know, hey, you know, we, we're in agreement with them. That's noble, but it's it's just one of those things where I. I I do see both sides both both ways on this uh, to me fairly clearly and if you do assume that people mean well and their intent is positive um, you know then then a lot of times you're a little bit more charitable and uh, and I think that could have worked both ways now another instance where he was more big picture minded I, I would say or at least kind of engaged in the conversation was uh, I don't know if people recall. Uh, and this is just over Christmas season last year. Uh, the song "Baby, It's Cold Outside" became, yeah, uh, somewhat of a controversy. And he had made some tweets about it, uh, about you know, the lack of context that people attacking the song are. And then he went on to explain kind of where he was coming from because basically it, it's snowing outside, so a guy's trying to get with a girl and doesn't want her to go. So he's like, "Hey, it's cold out there. Stay here." Right? That's the gist of the song, right? And Shatner was saying that it's silly that people are like boycotting the song now. And he found, he came under some fire for it. His response was this. He said, quote, in 2018, we have the hashtag Me Too movement, which I think is great. That these hidden forces are exposed and not to be allowed. And women have equal rights. I've got three daughters. I'm all for that. But if you look back at things that were written and said 20, 30 years ago, it's a different context. And you've got to judge it by that context. Rape and pillage? Absolutely not. Those are crimes against humanity. But saying, would you make love with me? And the opposing party saying yes or no, I can't fathom what's wrong with that. Uh, and in summary, he says this, it's a whole new culture. The whole business has changed. The whole man-woman relationship has changed to a severe degree. It's all about sensitizing you to what is harassment. You might say, as I have on numerous occasions, looking good. Wow, what a great dress, great legs. I love your hair. Nothing grabby, touchy-feely, nothing sexual, just innocuous compliments that one might say to anybody with no intent of lasciviousness, which is a big vocabulary word. <laughs> you said that well, of. by the way. Nice job. <laughs> Thank you. That was a complete roll of the dice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then finally he says, people say, can I put my arm around you? And I say, yes, of course, talking about photos with fans. But I don't initiate physical contact. I've changed my behavior to quite a degree because it's a revolution. So I feel like in that area, he he has, you know, seen the arguments and kind of seen, you know, where at the same time people, hey, look, that was a long time ago. This was the cultural standard. Don't destroy this historic song because of today's standards. But at the same time, yeah, behaviors do need to change and comments do need to be thought about before they're said. So I think in, in this context, I'm again more on his side than the internet that came out of with pitchforks because he said, Hey, don't boycott this song. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely aligned with you. But, and, and that's, you know, it goes well beyond Shatner in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? You, you really can't phrase it any better than the way he wrote it, I think, and putting context to things and understanding that times have changed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, uh, a scary thing uh, where, you know, a lot of cultural things are, are, are disappearing and, and things are changing and maybe some of it needs to change, which I completely understand some of it. You know, I, I, I don't recall, but did they edit that out of Elf, that, that whole piece when 
He's singing with her in the while well, she's taking a shower. I can't remember if they edited yeah. it out. You know, I, I don't know. I still have my DVD. They can't take that. Can't take that away from me. But I don't. No, no, they can't. But you know, but you know, you're you're seeing things like that where, you know, um, stuff in film or whatever is being removed for for certain reasons. Some of it right, some of it wrong. Um, but you know, to me, it's like art is a reflection of history as well, and um, we can learn from all of it. You know, uh, and. You, you you do need to understand where the line is. Was they truly trying to be offensive, and is it offensive? Period. Exclamation point. You know, um, and and who who really has power over those lines? Is 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 I always say if you go back to the people that produced it, did it, wrote it, whatever, and ask them what was in their heart, I think they'll give you an answer if they're still around. But I I agree with you, Zach. I think in this case. Uh, Shatner articulately put forth a position that made a lot of sense to me when I read it, and um, and I think he he covered all bases on it. You know, we don't have to destroy everything in the past because you know, even when I was growing up to a degree. The word gay wasn't associated just with homosexuality, you know. Things change, term change, you know, things change over time. And so it is it is interesting to me, you know, if you're going to constantly go back further and further and further and, you know, proclaim what is offensive today versus what was or what wasn't back then. It's just, it's just very different. And that was something more tangentially related to Shatner. Like he was commenting on something that was going on. He was not like the, right. the cause or the target of the drama. Right. Um, but our last topic of conversation here, he was clearly the target. And uh, Ken, I'll let you take the reins on this one here. Well, this is a difficult one. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll you're... see you next week. I'll let you take it from I, I, here. I, I know what you're doing. So um, there's a, a, a podcaster, uh, a person I think we all know uh, through probably our network a little bit, and I mean the podcasting network, and um, mostly through Facebook and Twitter. I, I can't. I can't remember if I actually met her, um, but you know, followed her Facebook friends type of thing. And um, I'll, I'll tell you kind of a funny story. I I didn't know any of this had happened, and I was actually um, being brought on another podcast as a guest. And before we started, the question was, "Hey, did you see what happened with Shatner and 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 Heather, which is her name?" I was like, "No." And they told me the story. I said, "What? Mm. <laughs> My goodness!" So um, the link that captured all the now deleted tweets. Um, was pretty powerful stuff. Uh, essentially, uh, it, it all got twisted into a death threat, which I would not say it was a death threat. But what it was was a very cruel thing to say, which, you know, I wish Leonard Nimoy was still alive and instead of William Shatner. Well, uh, let, me, let me just say this yeah. about the actual tweet itself. Uh, so okay. she tweets, in all caps, hot take, I wish at the real Nimoy, tagging Litter Nimoy's Twitter account, was alive right. rather than Shatner. Right. He's not tagged. Nimoy is. And with a term right. like hot take, you're looking to get attention with that. Now, I 100% agree with you. This was not a death threat. It was not a death threat. An extremely tasteless thing to say. 
for no said for no purpose but to stir up conversation, which I guess worked because here we are talking about it. Well, it did, but I mean, it, it well, it didn't stir up conversation. It stirred up Shatner, right? I mean, I um, I obviously I wasn't following at the time, so I wasn't watching it live. I wasn't seeing if it got a thousand likes or what. I don't know anything about that point. All I know is that it was eventually forwarded to him, and his his account responded, um, and obviously was none too happy about it, and just you know essentially saying what we're saying. What a tasteless thing to say. And and then it got the connotation that you know you wish me dead. It's a death threat. It it got it, it expanded, but it didn't help that some of the folks within that network decided to back her up and get into white privilege and all this other stuff. And it was like, oh my goodness, um, you know, it it just cascaded. And and I'll say one thing that we've seen with Shatner, right or wrong, he's dogged. If um, if he's going to take you on, he takes you on, and he did to the fullest. And and when people even tried to apologize or delete the tweets, he gave them no quarter. Mm. You know, that, I'll say that. And, um, you know, I, I really don't know what happened to that network or with um, the, the two hosts that decided to take them on. I, I don't know who um, the yeah. second person was. I, I, I Yeah, the... I'm not entirely familiar uh, either uh, I do know some of those shows have kind of disbanded and found homes other places, uh, and the network itself has pro- they defended her, but then they apologized, and it was a very muddy situation for several days there. Yeah the 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 apology the way it was written was not clear mm-hmm. um, as to what the regrets were. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I assume good intent, and I think they were trying to get the message across to 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 Mr. Shatner that um, they regret the whole thing. But it, it it had kind of the way you read it. It was like we regret that all of this has occurred, but well, you know, it, it was it was just kind of an odd thing. Yeah. I, the, well, to be fair to them, I, I do want to read their tweets so people can yeah, come to their own conclusions. So it's the tricorder transmissions. They had a couple of responses to this. They said, "Quote: We harbor no ill will." For William Shatner, tagged. Only appreciation and love for his work. The creator of the tweet has chosen to step away from the network, and we are all deeply saddened that this has happened. So that was kind of a weak sauce. Like, oh, well, she chose to leave. We didn't, like, tell her that was bad or yeah. anything. Uh, and then so, of course, that didn't mend any bridges. Um, and then they continue to say, the remark was not intended as a threat or to promote harm to anyone. And although her account has been made private, she has accepted responsibility for the poor wording, has deleted the tweet, and regrets having made it. And I kind of take issue with that because she really never apologized herself. Uh, she pretty much doubled down on that continuously is from what I saw. Like I said, I, I, I didn't follow at the time. And um, the, the link for this article, obviously, it captured all of that stuff, as did, I guess, Shatner somehow. And... I will tell you, if there's anything to capture on screen and you don't want it to be captured, then send it to me because I don't have a clue how to do that crap. So <laughs> I'm very impressed. Well, that. I mean, I, at the end of the day, right, all you have to say is, I wish Leonard Nimoy was still with us. And I think we can all agree with that sentiment. It's like that that was just so unnecessary. And I just don't understand like what the goal was with this from the beginning. Yeah, well, I think in the beginning of this podcast, you had mentioned about people trying to get attention. And, um, you know, there's there's ways to do that. And, you know, in the Star Trek world, um, 
you know, there's, there's what, dozens and dozens of tweets per day. There's polls, uh, there's questions asked, there's, you know, what do you think of this? So there's a lot of statements there and people play along and that's what fandom does. And, um, you know, that was definitely, I, th I think the word tasteless is the only, the only expression you could say, um, because like it or not, that's a, that's a pretty powerful thing. And of course, um, you know, done deliberately, I don't know if the, like you said, he, Shatner wasn't tagged in it. Um, but I do believe it was, you know, to get the, the pro versus con Shatner people and like in this line of ideological, ideological differences we live in, there's, hmm. there's, there's a lot of these crazy divides within Star Trek fandom too. Um, you know, off it went, but anyway, it's, it was a shame that, 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 that happened. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think a lot of celebrities are probably prone to getting, um, a lot of hate mail and things like that. And I think their, their policy of, I just ignore it. You know, I, um, it's kind of like, uh, the Patriots, you know, ignore the noise as they say all the time, just ignore the noise, just focus on your job, that type of thing. And so a lot of celebrities don't don't give it the time of day, but that is not how Will Shat William Shatner works. No, 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 no. If you want to play, he's gonna he's gonna take you on. Yeah, I, I guess ultimately, I mean, who are we to say? Because we're not him. But like, is it better just yeah. to leave this stuff alone, or is it better to, you know, try and shut this stuff down as soon as possible, as strongly as possible? Like, I think there's definitely a middle ground in there somewhere. But he is he is a man of extremes. He is. He is. It, it's an interesting one, Zach, because I think if, you know, because you, like, you have these lines and you, you see people will come to the defense of bad behavior quite often. And that's always something that, that kind of confuses me. Um, you know, as, as close as we are as friends, if you said something derogatory or hurtful, I think I'd be offline with you going, what the hell are you doing, Dopey? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I'm sure you'd do the same with me. I don't think we'd have it on Twitter going back and forth. You know, you you, you take it offline. And I, I think that, you know, just, just rushing to the defense as this other Twitter handler did, who was also a host, I was like, oh, man. And it just compounded everything. And then, it, it, you know, then then it expanded. You know, you're not a sexist. You're a white privilege. You're this, you're that. And you go, oh, man. Okay. You know, um, and that's the difference. Chatting will take it on. But, you know, I, I guess where I was going originally was, for the celebrities that ignore it, I think that, you know, if they have fans out there, they they kind of look at them to say, you know, you're you're going to fight the fight for me mm -hmm. because there's there's probably more people that like them than not. Um, and and they'll go after like because obviously somebody sent forwarded it to him. Right. He was ticked off by it, you know, and decided, well, you know, if I, if I, I could have an argument with this person that, that wrote the original tweet, but why not bring in the subject? <laughs> you know, and so all of a sudden now you've got uh, a hammer on your side. But um, yeah, just, a, just, just a, a very tragic, sad thing to see on social media. Uh, we forget that um, there, there should be etiquette and respect uh, for everybody. That's what IDIC ID is all about. And um, it's, you know, obviously, it's the first and only time I've ever seen anything quite like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've I've seen some people get attacked and um, and people get hurt uh, on on Twitter, but I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like what we witnessed here. It was it was pretty rough there. It was it was pretty rough, but uh, but you know, I I will say 
the fact that it is addressed, you know, there's not there's not this secondhand kind of passive aggressive stuff going around, which you also see a lot. Like he just he just goes straight for it, for better or for worse. He he confronts the people who uh, bring these things up, and it it is addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'll say you know I I follow William Shatner. But when I when I would you know get on Twitter or whatnot and see his responses to anything, he's a pretty funny guy and he <laughs> does engage with the fans yeah. all the time. You know, um, he's he's always got kind of a a quick wit about him. Uh, he can be very kind and he can be very sarcastic uh, depending on 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 what it is. So I'll say that that um, he's definitely engaged, and uh, I I think that fans love that. You know, because it's again, you know. I could I could tweet the great Zach Moore and get a response, and I could tweet you know William Shatner and get a response, and it's it's incredible. The inter- the internet is the great equalizer. It really is. It yeah. really is. You know, but I mean, you sound more like Shatner than he ever did now. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If somebody has a sense of humor, I'm like a lot more open to mm-hmm. hearing what they have to say. It's like, oh, okay, you're you can at least kind of see the, the humor in all of this and i think that's important in any conversation uh so i and i i have a sense of humor kind of like shatner i like to like push the buttons and see <laughs> sometimes see what happens and run jokes into the ground and that kind of thing so i get i can understand his mindset throughout all this stuff at least to, at least to that to that degree and, mm-hmm. and i i enjoy i just enjoy seeing his his twitter reactions a lot of the time because as you said they he, he is funny he is quick with he's got some some sarcasm going on there and then you know people people like reading into stuff where nothing is there like him and mark hamill were going back and forth about some star wars star trek stuff on twitter as they often do uh shatner yeah. and shatner and carrie fisher used to go back and forth about that stuff it's all in good fun people are like oh good mark get him hamill yeah shatner's the worst and no this is just two actors who have similar life experiences who can really understand better than other people you know, the, the the weight of the franchises and fandom in their career. And they're just having a good time on Twitter. You know, like th- this is not like, oh, man, did you see Mark Hamill and William Shatner in the Twitter fight the other day? No, it's not like that. But when our 24-7 entertainment news cycle kicks in, it becomes like a headline on all these uh, websites and forums and talking about them. And yeah, it's just it's just it's just, just don't read don't don't read into this, this stuff on the Internet when it just it is what it is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we we just picked a few examples, some of which we had some connections to, so we had more intricate takes we've been kind of simmering about in our minds for a while to to kind of talk out. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can look online and see lots of these instances, very very similar shades of uh, of Shatner interacting on Twitter with uh, people uh, to various degrees of uh, outrage or 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 not, uh, which is more refreshing, uh, but sometimes less entertaining. But uh, William Shatner versus the world. <laughs> Isn't the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks. But in this case, I like the character in the fact that she's a counselor and a Vulcan. Because when you go to a counselor, most of the time it's about your emotions or dealing with your emotions. So how ironic it is that a Vulcan is the person you go to to figure out how to deal with emotional issues mm-hmm. from a non-emotional person earl gray episodic tv is really good for watching in bed before you go to sleep because you can go to bed watch a little 45 minute episode and by the end you're almost asleep so it's it's like a, a nice little comfort blanket you're saying star trek puts you to sleep <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yes, actually, yes. Um, even though I love it, it does. If I didn't have it on the background, I probably wouldn't sleep because I've become so used to it. Interesting. So it's like a, a soothing presence. Oh, yeah. It's that background noise of life. Star Trek, the hum of the, the warp drive. The ready room. Do you feel like there are too many of these arcs, too many of these threads running through a 14-episode season? And I ask that because one of the more interesting stories to me, apart from the Red Angel, the big story, is the stamets Culber story. Mm-hmm. And I think that both the actors, Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp, have done an amazing job of portraying this story. The chemistry between them feels so real, and I've really connected with the emotions behind this story. But I feel shortchanged. I feel like we're only dipping in here and there Mm -hmm. just enough to remind us that that story is going on. Whereas I would like to see it develop more, and I feel like maybe they're just trying to do too much in too little time. Warp 5. But I think Brandon's right. You can jump to bound and have the same thing. Yeah, you can jump to bound and have the same thing. Because you could have him say, I want to leave, then find his replacement. Whatever, whatever happens in between, now he decides to stay and there's a problem because this guy wants to stay. Which plays out all in bound. Correct. So I think I'm not going to be able to drive Brandon as crazy as I want to. I will say no. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm slash contact and look at the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions, your help, your support, they mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. 
I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. I'm also the co-host of Franchise Fatigue, a podcast where we look at sequels, remakes, movie franchises, and when a franchise gets fatigued. You can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth, part of the United Federation of Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Trekkie01D. You can also hear me talking about both Discovery and the Orville over on the Fandom Podcast Network's Discoville podcast that drops every week. So thanks for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>